Anime Roadshow, episode number 457. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me today here in Las Vegas, but that's not it. No, 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 we're bringing it extra today. Cutman Mike Afanasiev is with us as well, Las Vegas Fire Department member as well. But you know him best from getting in there in the octagon, saving some fights, healing up these fighters so they can keep going, and we know him for getting together and Drinking an award-winning Pabst Ribbon. <laughs> Frosted <laughs> beverage. What's going on, man? How are you, buddy? It's good. Good to see you. By the way, it's uh, it's you know, it's early afternoon today, and uh, you know, look, we're all off. It's the holidays, and so we're we're, you know, well, some of us may be working <laughs> slightly, but you know, we're getting together for a few frosty beverages. And these guys are trying to put the blame on me, but I just want to let the record reflect. It did not take much convincing to get you guys to hop into these award-winning Pabst Ribbons today. I was always told, though, you know, somebody offers you something in their house, you take it, you know. That's it. Just you be know, a polite guest. Be respectful. Just yeah. be a polite guest. Well, uh, you can hear it in my voice, by the way. I'll just go ahead and get that out of the way early. I'm not quite back to 100%. I'm getting close to 100%, but uh, the illness is starting to fade away. Uh, dude, I, I uh, it's been weeks now, man. It's been weeks. It's been a long time. I, yeah, I, I actually did finally go to the doctor because – my kid was getting kind of bad, and, and my wife was getting kind of bad. So I was like, let's just go and see if they can give us some medicine. Tested positive for flu type A, they said, or flu A. I don't know if it's type A or just flu A. They name it every – I don't know. Tested positive for that. Did, uh, did not test positive for COVID, although a lot of the crew that I was with uh, over the previous week, they tested positive for COVID. So I think maybe it was in there or something like that. But uh, anyway, I just want to say I'm getting back to health, but I apologize if my voice is a little bit weird. Uh, and maybe cracks a little bit here and there, sounds a little bit nasally. I apologize, but, dude, this stuff is crazy. You're out in the community, man. Is, yeah. I, mean, is, I, I, I mean, I guess you probably don't get called for sick people very often, but it feels like everybody I know is sick right now. Yeah, actually, surprisingly, uh, you know, people in the camp breathe, they're nausea, vomiting, things like that. I mean, yeah, people call for everything, and you just don't know. Yeah, there's a bad flu going around, though, for sure. Uh, coworkers and friends, and people, they, they say it's not. It's no joke. It's lasting, you know, a little while. It is, dude. It was. We were in. Uh, we were working CFSC match day. Very cool event on USC Fight Pass. Mizzou to the Lou. Uh, I thought about you. It's still a cool name. I it's thought about you, cool Copy. Uh, just because, uh, man, it was. It had that college. It had that college environment. College I know how atmosphere. much you love college sports. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like they they brought the teams out onto the stage and the theater, and you know it was a home game for Missouri, so it was you know yeah. all the all the Mizzou people. I'm sure were the going crowd great. was nuts. Crowd was nuts. Three thousand people in this That's theater, awesome. but it had that real like college vibe to it. So I, I thought about you a lot because it's you know we've been picking out these unique environments. You know we went to like this horse sanctuary. We've done some stuff on campuses, whatever. But this theater was just packed, and it was you know Missouri versus Illinois, so it was a rivalry game. You know people that, you know. Programs that are kind of they, they were playing. I said last week it was football. They were playing basketball the next day, not football. Oh, okay. It wasn't. It was. That a, makes sense. But yeah. So anyway. But anyway, it was a cool weekend. And uh, but uh, it, it was a really cool environment. I thought about you. But in the truck, it was so funny because on with college wrestling, I work on the production side, mm -hmm. and uh, everybody in the truck, like the like everybody's coughing. It's just, I'm like, this is. There's no way any of us are getting out of this healthy. Like yeah. what's up? <laughs> you're, like, you're all packed. Oh yeah. It's just have a Kleenex <laughs> as you leave the truck. Here's your sanitary wipes. Here's your Kleenex, and we'll see you. We'll see you in the uh, at the hospital. <laughs> it was cracking up the whole time. Like we're we're all just getting out of sick. So yeah, it's going around. So hopefully everybody's staying healthy. Uh, it's it's out there. I, I'm well, all over the everywhere I go, all over the country. It's not just here. It's well, everywhere. I was gonna say. Well, even with that, I think if you would take some time off, you could probably heal yourself a little bit instead of hopping in planes and traveling from here to there to here to there. 
Just saying. You're on to something saying. there. You're on to something there. I think you might be on to something there. It's, I think one of the things that doctors – what is that thing that doctors prescribe? Uh, it's re- it starts with an R. Rest? Rest. Is it, is it rest? <laughs> rest and recovery I love something? when they're like, uh, can you – hey, man, uh, it was funny. First of all, when we went to the do- doctor to get looked at, the doctor, like, she got done. You know, she's like, oh, do you need a, a, a note for work? I'm like, yeah, that doesn't yeah. work. And, and I don't need a note. I'm good. But it is funny because they'll tell funny. you, like, hey, why don't you just, um, like, you know – Sit tight for a week or something. You're like, yeah, okay, <laughs> not gonna yeah, happen. That's that's never gonna happen. So no. Uh, anyway, uh, week two of three with no UFC. Uh, normally, yeah, the, th- the three of us would all be seeing each other at the apex. So what do we do? We have no lives. So we're like, hey, let's just see each other here uh, instead. <laughs> You're cheering. What what about you? Uh, two or three? Is it? Uh, well, he is gets it a paid to be break? there. He gets paid extra money to go. It's just it's just status quo when I go. I don't get any extra that money for true. showing up there. Are are you missing the routine? Are you enjoying the uh, the little time off, the little break? You know, it's kind of double edged sword, I guess, because you enjoy the time off, but you're like, man, when in, when am I gonna go see some fights again? And that apex, the intimate environment there, yeah. is just impressive. You know, just hearing the coaches and the small crowd and thing. I mean, you hear everything. So I will say it is nice, you know, that they don't have the, the actual New Year's Eve show because yes. it, it's so packed when I you're do. trying to get in and out of T-Mobile and a. Um, get down I, to the strip and right, and then fighters checking in the week of Christmas. So I think yep. that you know, as a promotional company, I can't speak for them, but I would think they're like, all right, cool, we can end this a little early, give everybody a break, guns yeah. blazing for the next season, which is already stacking up to be. Oh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be. It, it's funny. So two things. Number one, I am with you on that. The no New Year's Eve show has been the greatest blessing of the ESPN era, right? Where they don't want the shows because they got too much college football going on. Like I love that. There was. Nothing worse than, you know, like today. I mean, right now, today's Wednesday. It would be media day, right? You know, yep. I mean, it, 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 that tomorrow would be a press conference. And it was just – it was like especially having kids and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know, just like the day after Christmas being like, all right, well, I had fun, guys. Bye. You know what I mean? Like getting more family time. That That is awesome. Um, so that's a huge one. But it's funny you said something because you said – how much you like the Apex. And I feel like me and Cole <laughs> Coffee are in the minority, man. That was so man. funny because I was going to bring it up as well it's after a, right, he said it. We're so much in the minority. And, and the majority of the, the media out there, and I, I mean, I see the messaging all the time. And fans. Like, oh, a lot fans. of fans. A lot of the YouTube fans are very vocal. They're like, I hate it. I got to get rid of the Apex. It's got to go away. And me and Cole Coffee like it. And I think a big part of it is just it's so damn close to our house. I mean, right True. now, as we sit here at the Casa Cole Coffee, I, mean, I could damn near see the apex yeah. from here if I looked out the window. The convenient. And so sometimes I feel like our uh, perspective is skewed a little bit because it's so convenient for us that we're like, dude, don't get rid of the apex. I love the apex. And I'm sure, I mean, obviously you're a Las Vegas guy too. The convenience probably has something to do uh, with it. But you you like the environment too, right? Because I like that. I love the, I like – I mean, there's nothing better than a huge knockout and 18,000 people go crazy and there's, right. you know, and you see like people looking around like, oh, it's am- I mean, that is amazing. But there is something cool about, man, I can hear every little thing that happens. I can hear the coaches. But I, I like that. I, I feel like I'm so much smart, but so it's funny that you lay that out there. You're like, I dig this environment. Yeah, no, it's great. I dig both. They both have their place, you yeah. know, because there is nothing like sitting in the, the stands when the fight's going at it, and you've got 18,000, 19,000 people screaming. You can't even hear yourself think. But then on the flip side, you don't have that, but you still have that. You know, you hear the, every word that the coaches are saying. You hear the commentators. You hear everything yep. that's going on. Family members, you know, getting a front row seat. Yeah. Uh, so they both have their place. 
I mean, I definitely we think we can all agree that that we've seen moments in a fight where a fight's going a particular way. You see a fighter getting egged on by the crowd. The crowd's pushing them forward, and you see them acknowledge the crowd. They raise the hand. They play to the crowd. They dig deep, and they dig in there. But a lot of times, you know, you see still great action in the apex. You don't have the crowd, but you see that because a fighter, it's not like a fighter is going to fight differently if he's in the apex or whether he's in the T-Mobile. Right. But you do add in the factor of, okay, maybe there can be a little crowd involvement that helps give them that extra little boost. But also then they can't hear the, they can't hear the coaches like they can hear them in the apex. There's always pluses. But what's weird is when I see a lot of people bitch about apex shows, they're always bringing up, there's no fans there in crowd. I'm like, what do you care about? What are you watching <laughs> <Right>. on TV? <laughs> right. Are you waiting for the fucking fan reaction shots? And then you're like, oh, thank God I tuned into this pay-per-view. I finally yeah. got to see some crowd. Or are they just waiting to see those moments where the fighter is maybe standing up like, yes, like, are you entertained? You know, well, and here's it's the- just so weird that they, they play so much in that. I, I will acknowledge there are times we've seen fighters fight a little bit more animated because of the crowd of course but to think that they're going to see less of from a fighter because it's in a quieter environment as from the t-mobile yeah it's just crazy yeah it's crazy well and and the thing is it's it's the same people that are like oh this card sucks like i don't even want to see this card you know like well it's in the apex because you're not going to have eighteen thousand. if you put it somewhere else eighteen thousand people wouldn't show up you know what i mean it's a fight night i mean because even when you used to hear dana lay out the things he was like they were back when they were multiple layers where there was like a fight night and then fox cards and then there was like the espns and yada 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 the fight nights, a lot of times, were supposed to be these ones where you had the up-and-coming guys coming on, earning their earning their keep, earning into places where they were actually were contenders. So it's like not every show is going to be a pay-per-view level show, but don't hold that against the Apex because you think the Apex is only whatever. I mean, they have so many fighters. You're gonna, you have to give these fighters a card, and not every card is going to be worthy of them paying all that extra money to put at a giant venue or to even take on the road to travel. So for people to just hate on it for just the fact that there's an absence of crowd and the thinking that it's so different, it just strikes me just so odd that I'm – and it's always their comment. It's always the comment of like, man, you, uh, you never hear any – you never hear like the crowd. You never see whatever. And, and I'm always like, well, just what are you watching? <laughs> right. Like what makes a, a fun event for you? Like you're not happy unless you see other people react. You want to see their emotions and match it to your own, and then you feel like, yeah, that was a good fight. Like, I can watch the Apex show and say, that was a hell of a fight, and I don't need justification from some fan in the crowd standing up and cheering. <laughs> and Like, I, I can make my own decision. But sometimes I wonder why people are so agitated about the Apex, especially, too. I mean, like, just in, in terms of cost. If the, yeah. if the UFC can save money, hopefully that means they can turn money towards a fighter. Well, that's what trips me out, right? They could pay more money you out, see, you know? You want to see more money for fighters. Well, hold on. And, and I, okay, I mean, we can go not down. Not that there's, there's any – yeah, there's but, not like there's right. anything that we're but, saying, hey, by the way, we did 10 Apex and we paid 10 guys yeah, more. You but, know? I mean, you think about the money that's saved, man. And it's not just, you know, it's not just people at the arena or whatever. Think just the travel costs alone travel of cost, getting their arena own staff. Arena costs, security costs, It's, it's insane. So I just wish people would realize, look – there's a place for both. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a place for both. 100%. In, in, in yeah. the it's like they want to call landscape. for the Apex to be eradicated and never yep. do an Apex show. And I'm like, that doesn't make it, it doesn't make sense business wise. And I would be really pissed if I couldn't just drive five minutes down the road <laughs> to work an Apex show. So I will tell you, yes, I am biased, but I also think that I've seen hella great fights. Like if you look at the Dan Hooker Poirier fight that yeah. took place, that was absolutely sick. Probably, probably the greatest fight in the history yeah. of the Apex. Right? I'm like, dude, good fights happen there. Like, don't blame the venue just because it doesn't give you whatever, because we're still getting great fights. But I don't want it to go away because I like being able to drive <laughs> down the street. Um, that being said, sure. 
if they want to travel more, that's great. But I just don't anticipate they're ever going to get it to where they're on the road every weekend. The cost is just insane. Yep. And if you want to yell at the UFC and say that they're not paying the fighters, put that extra money on them. If they're trying to meet the amount of money that they're making now, and of course people already say what they're meeting now is too much, like there should be more going towards the fighters. But if the UFC is like, well, we always got to keep this line – if you increase the production costs and everything else, how are they ever going to – and they're still trying to meet that line. It's not like it's going to be more money for the fighters, right. you know? So, I don't know. It's – I like the Apex shows. I, I like I like the environment. I, I like the – it's We might it's be the quiet, only three. I think we're the only three. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the only three he gets a lot of TV time when they're at the Apex. A lot of TV. <laughs> so, talk to me, Mike. I was thinking about this as we were getting together today. Like, do you – I know how busy you are in fight night, right? Like you, I think people – I mean, most hardcore fans probably realize, but if you don't, like, to think that your role is just cut, man, right? I mean, it, the, you've got to go in and wrap hands. There's, You know what I mean? You guys all kind of rotate together. There's a lot more than just, like, I just sit there and then I go in. I mean, you guys are running the whole night. Um, but at, like, the end of the year like this, you know, do you sit back and, and look? Because sometimes I feel like as a journalist, the cards kind of, like, run together, but we're just observing them and talking about them. You're actually, like – taking part in them you're actually in there you're actually taking an active role versus just observing and discussing what happened you know what i mean so like do you ever think back on like the fights you were involved in or you know the the, the moments you're like damn i did a good job that night or man you know what i don't think i did a good job that night i could have done something better here that like do you take the time to stop back or does it all blend together for you too uh some of the fights, like, I honestly don't recall working. Yeah. My friend's like, dude, I saw you work in this fight. I watched the replay. And I was like, ooh, I did. You I know, get it. You know, no, it know, runs because, together, bro. It, it does run much. together. Yeah. Um, as far as work good and bad, like, I critique myself a lot because the only way we can get better, you know, and I, I'm like, man, I wish I would have done that or this or maybe I know that it, maybe it could have done just slightly better in my own mind. The rest of the world wouldn't know, and the fight, you know, continues. But right. there's always a way to improve, and I'll, I'll reach out to, you you know, with guys like Robin Rowe, who just great experience, Rudy Hernandez, House, you know, I'll talk to these people like, hey, you know, I think I should have done this or should have done that or, you know, vice versa. Because you're always learning. I mean, the day you think you know how to do everything, you're, right. you're and I don't care what your profession is, then it's time to move on because there's always something different that you can do. And, and each fight's different. You know, you fundamentally what we do on paper doesn't look that hard. It really right. doesn't. But you're doing a quick triage, and then there's so many variables. Okay, is the fighter going to sit? Or are they going to stand? Or are they going to be still? Is the coach going to dump a bunch of water on their <laughs> head? Is this going to happen? And you got a camera person that's got to get – everybody has a role. And you're trying to blend in that role, you know, at the same time to ultimately do what you can do to ensure that that fighter is allowed to continue. And – you know, fortunately, here in Las Vegas, we work with, like, the same ringside doctors all the time. They're awesome. They give us a chance to work. They'll stand over our, you know, shoulder, kind of look at things. If they think, oh, you know, I'm going to have to evaluate them. Or if the cuts stop, great. On the flip side, the doctor spends, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds evaluating this cut, going back and forth. And, that's yeah. time that you're not able to treat it. Correct. You know, see so behind the eight ball. Such a key and I think that's so big about Nevada, and you, and you hear people talk about it, but it, just the repetitions and, you know, when, when organizations move around, whatever it may be, the UFC or anybody else, if it's a commission that doesn't do a lot of fights and if it's a doctor that hasn't been in a lot of fights, because, look, it's combat. People are getting hurt. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it's going to happen. But if they're freaking out 
that causes an issue, right? It's like if you can just let everybody do their job, let everybody work. And I do think that's the biggest thing here in Las Vegas that, man, those doctors, like they come in, they've seen everything. So they don't freak out. They don't rush. They're like, hold on, let, let, let me at least get your time, you know what I mean, right. and, and, and see what you can do with it, and then we make a decision, not like – I got to get in there. And as you said, you see it sometimes, especially, and again, I'm not trying to pick on the smaller commissions. It's just, it's the comfortability that comes with recognition, uh, repetition, as they say, is that they, they want to get in there before they really need to be in there. And like you said, it, it stops you from doing your job. Yeah, there's so many dynamics to everything. It even related to my call, you know, as a fireman paramedic, where I have what I want to get done for the patient. The patient has in their perception what needs to be done. Then the family has their own opinion, you know, what needs to be done, you know, and same. And if you look at with the, the physicians in They've got a role to look out, obviously, for fighter safety, and I guess indirectly we do too. And they've got to look at the fight at a different thing. Then the referee's looking at it differently, and the fighter and the coaches are looking at it. Everybody looks at the fight in a unique way. Ultimately, the end goal is we want this individual to, you know, to win. That's what the team does. So blending in with that. You know, and then if we go to places uh, where I have, don't have that rapport, I'll generally ask the doc, hey, if they get a bad cut, can you please just allow me to work? You can always look at the referee and ask for time. I've never once seen a referee say, nope, I'm not going to give you your time. You know, yep. give us that opportunity. Just give us that opportunity. And it's just training experience. I mean, I look back at, I think I'm on my 13th, 14th year with UFC, and I started working as a cut man in 05. Just how I work now compared just from that repetition, way different. Way, way, way oh, yeah. different. Yeah. I bet if you could time yourself of what you started to where you are now, you'd, you'd just lap yourself immensely. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. But that just sets and reps. That's everything, yeah. right? We First time we tried to tie our shoes, we weren't probably really good at it. Yeah. Now right. we can do it, you know, blindfolded and half asleep. Yeah. What's the culture like among the, the, the community of cut men and – and I, I see it seems like you guys are all friends and you all but but I wonder like in the beginning is is everybody willing to be like hey new kid uh, let me show you this technique <laughs> yeah. or you know let me show you what I do because I could also see people being like kind of protective like I don't want anybody to know the way I wrap hands yeah, or I don't want to get the call and then I won't yeah, get the call like I don't want anybody to know the way my secret like yeah. why is it that you can always get the cut stop and I can't well I'm not telling anybody because that's how I make sure that I keep getting booked for future shows so is it a little bit like you got to earn uh, some love or, or, or is people has it been like a pretty receptive community like how have you found that journey no it's a receptive community I mean I started off I just boxed in the amateurs and I wrestled and at the end of the day I can't spell the word fight but uh I had my <laughs> F I T E? Yeah that's yeah. thriller now. Yeah. Fight TV is thriller TV now. <laughs> and so I just kinda transitioned into after my last you know, amateur fight, uh I fought a few times in the police and fire Olympics, which is a lot of fun, but uh I said, Ah, oh, maybe I can work with Jeff Mayweather was my coach, maybe I can work with him and start learning the, the art of coaching. And then I thought, well, maybe I can learn how to wrap hands and stop cuts. And so he introduced me to Stitch, who taught me his way. And then over the years, you just pick up um, bits and pieces. And I'm not afraid to ask, yeah, you yeah. know, as well. So That's such a I key don't, in anything, yeah. man. Don't be afraid. To, like, don't don't pretend like you got to act smarter than you are. Like, don't be afraid to ask a question. Yeah, as far as – Especially my, not in that role. Yeah. When, like, there's blood and bleeding and cuts, like – yeah, just admit you could be better and, like, please help me. Help yeah. my technique. Yeah, no, and I think we constantly, you know, are trying to better ourselves because at the end of the day, it's not about us. Nobody's coming to a fight to see me put Vaseline on a person's face for <laughs> stop a cut. It's, 
hey, they're here to see this man, this woman. That's what they're there for, to see. 100%. So that's what we have to continue to work for is like, hey, this is what it is. This is the only reason, you know, that these people are here. So now the community has been, you know, great, you know, and I'll help people as well. But also tell them the reality, like, I can show you how to do this, but it doesn't mean automatically. It's like you go get your real estate license. Well, who knows your realtor? Who knows this? You know, you've got to get out and spend time in the gyms and working. I just was fortunate to a lot of cards just fell into place with people that I'd work with, you know, and uh, like Dewey Cooper gave me the opportunity to work with him. Never met the guy before. And I just introduced myself and like right away, hey, I got a guy's fighting in two weeks and I might be double booked. Would you mind coaching this guy? I'm like, hell yeah. That's and, awesome. Uh, Dewey's a legend, man. I, I think a lot of people in MMA probably don't understand the depth of his experience and unreal. knowledge. Unreal. You know what I mean? Like they've they've seen a little bit as, as of late and, and, and I think they're getting exposed to Dewey a little bit more and starting to see. But uh, that dude is, is a, a legit legend in the space. I mean, if you look at boxing – kickboxing, Muay Thai, MMA, he's over a hundred combined fights. I remember sparring with them and I'm like, you know, unfortunately he would lower himself to what's he going to get out of beating me up, right? <laughs> no, nothing, you know, but so I could learn. That's a good sparring partner though. That's a hell of a yeah, sparring partner. Yeah, no, awesome, you know. It was great. And uh, so I learned a lot from that and just all that vast experience, you know, and then he spent years and years and years and years with, you know, one kick with Nick Blomgren and I remember Dewey just telling me a story can't remember how many fights he had and Nick's like all right we're just you're gonna go fight you know Duke Rufus here you go you know and then he was the first guy to beat Mighty Mo at the when they had the K1 yep Mighty Mo was 12 wins 12 knockouts and no losses and outweighed Dewey by roughly 100 pounds yeah he's a big dude and Dewey comes back you know at the end of the first round he's just laughing you know I wasn't there for that fight but I would just ask him like Dewey why were you laughing like, I had to convince myself to get back out there, man. He's like, this dude, it's hard. He goes, just funny. He goes, I caught a punch and the whole left side of my body went numb. And we're like, all right, here it is. It's amazing. I tell you, it's if fun. you got some extra time over over the holidays and you're looking for something, I, I think it's still on there. I know there were some issues uh, with the contracts or whatever, but I think all that K1 stuff is still on USC Fight Pass, man. So you can find some Dewey Cooper. Dude, I, if you haven't ever seen old Ray Cepho clips, like I know that there's probably a lot of people that only know Ray Cepho as the dude with the PFL, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yep. bro, you go back and watch Ray Cepho in his prime, that man could fight. Him and Mark Hunt, just oh. hands down, let's take a punch, <laughs> let's do this, just here we go. Those legendary days, man. Yeah, you know, and just to finish off with Dewey, Dewey comes back around at 2-3 and he's the first guy to beat Mighty Mo, outweighed by 100 pounds. You know, Dewey's mindset of just, you know, it's – crazy like, bro and if you and if you need somebody to be a cheerleader in your corner i don't know if there's a better hype man a lot even if you don't even want to talk about the technical assistance you want to just talk about having somebody believe in you and, and helping you believe in yourself yeah it is that guy no 100 he's got the the skill set the mindset and he reads his fighters each fighter needs something different right you know whether hey yes you know how you coach them is different he's just so you take all of his experience from fighting and now you know, the coaches he's been around and then formulate to his own, you know, form. And, you know, he's working with that, uh, the team combat league, yep. you know, building that up, which I think is a great concept and, uh, you know, promoting that and just seeing, you know, with the, the handful of fighters that he's worked with over the years and building his own brand. But yeah, if it wasn't for a certain 
individuals with, you know, Jeff Mayweather inducing me to stitch, teaching me how to wrap hands to, you know, Dewey opening up the door, which led to this person led to that. And, uh, and now, you know, for work with people and show them how to wrap hands and I don't, I'm not going to charge you money or anything like that. I'm just, Hey, here, I'll show you my technique. There's multiple ways of doing it, but here's what you need to do to get there. And I'm hopefully going to go down, uh, I think in January, I still got to talk to Raul about doing a seminar down in uh, Tijuana. But we just said, Hey, he's like, what do you want? I'm like, I don't want any money. He goes, well, how about if we do this? We'll get the government involved. And we'll have people bring food for charity. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Let's that's do that. Cool. So, I'd rather do that. Like if, you know, coach out here, we could put a seminar, but hey, let's get some toys for kids or something like that. Bring something else. Cause the only way I can ever pay the people back that helped me is to, you know, pay forward. That's so. awesome. And Dewey's got the, he's got the coolest voice. He's yeah. like, he's like <laughs> he I can't even do a good Dewey. He's got like the coolest, like cool coach voice. He does. He, he could have been on like 70s talk radio or something like a 70s late night radio or something. <laughs> <laughs> he's got so, the salty jam. gravelly, but he's got that gravelly sort of like, yeah. Oh, I man. can't even do it. It's so unique. You touched on the, the team combat league. I just want to mention that real quick for anybody that hasn't seen this concept. It's a boxing concept. It's cool because I've actually seen like on BoxRec, they're starting to list all the records there and stuff. Uh, but essentially, uh, the team comes together and everybody fights one round, right? So it's just like you just go all out for three minutes. So you've got all the different weight classes and different people representing. But it's actually a pretty cool concept because instead of being like, a team and we'll do like 10 full matches and we'll see what the score is. It's like, hell no, bro. Just go out there and go all out for, for three minutes. Yeah. It's almost like a wrestling duel, but boxing yeah. in a sense, you exactly. know what you're doing. And if you get a knockout or if you get a pin or if you get, you know, a get point, different so points for your team, different points for your team. Great comparison, so, like a wrestling duel. Yeah. It, it's a very similar uh, concept, you know, weight classes and, you know, and it could come down to, Hey, the heavyweight guys got to get this knockout for the team to win and move yep. on. And they have it, you know, formatted as kind of a, a almost like a, a football league, you know, okay, hey, these, these, and then it points at the end lead to playoffs and then, you know, finals, semifinals, I think, and you have to fight. You don't have, that's the one thing that I don't think people understand. There is no feel out round. Right. There is no, I got to get Just my, go. I got to, I got three minutes to figure this out, you know, as soon as you get in. And so, the fighters have to just, you know, I haven't talked to anyone that has fought in it yet, but just from what limited experience I have competing, like you just, you have to fight. You yep. literally have to fight. There is no, okay, I'll get him in the second round or man, I got a little bit wobbled. Maybe I could have eased off the gas. No, you got to go. I love, you know, uh, obviously working with the CFSC match day crew with a, we're doing the wrestling duels and I've really started to, to find this new passion for it. Cause it wasn't something I followed closely. Like I was aware of college wrestling, but now like, being involved in it, I've really started to follow it. And I love the dual concept. And I understand that at the end of the day, it's kind of an individual sport. And, you know, ultimately you're working towards March and you're working for the individual titles. But I wish there was some way to do – and I know they have the team points and you, you, you name a winner, but it's not like the actual team coming together. I wish there was some way to do – like, I don't know if it's a different tournament or how they would format it exactly, but um, – but putting real value in these team duels. We had a situation the other day. It was Campbell in one of their – they had three matches in the same day. But it came down to, like, the heavyweight, the final match. It's like oh, if, you know, yeah. if he if, – if he, he's, he's heavily favored. It's Take Adiali, so he's, like, hugely favored. He's, like, ranked number eight in the country right now. But it was a situation where the way it worked out was, like, if he wins a decision, um, it's not going to be good enough. Like, they're still going to come up short on, on, on the duel, right? 
Um, if he, he gets, yeah, he needed a pin. Basically, you, you know, they were either going to lose, draw, or if he gets a pin, if he can actually get the pin, they can win. And he didn't get the pin, so they came up short. But it added so much yeah. to it because it was like number eight in the country versus like a freshman. You know what I mean? It's, but it's not just can you win. It's like can you get this guy pinned? And yeah. Ultimately, he didn't. He was kind of tired. Pins are he, tough. It's all. I think people think that they just uh, it's guaranteed, and it's not. Most, especially most of the matches guy, come out by points. They win by points. Especially because you had gotten to a point where I think the guy was basically just like, you're not going to pin me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I know I'm not going to win this match, and I have no way of beating you, but I'm not I'm letting you put my shoulders to the ground. Like, there's yeah. no way it's happening. But I don't know. It just, it just adds something to it. You know, and then you got the, uh, you know, you got the teams obviously up there yelling. And That's it's cool, awesome. man. I wish they could find a way to work that into the NCAA championships, or maybe it's a separate tournament right before the individuals or something. It'd be cool to have, like, a real true team concept like that. Yeah. Now, well, at the end of the NC2As, they do have the team. Right. You the, know, rankings the rankings on how everybody team and how it is. But, and then now that you're going back to the Midwest, where you know, I grew up in California, wrestled in California, which is a huge state for wrestling, but the biggest environment ever watched, witnessed, was the state tournament, which was in Stockton, and this arena was packed. But you can imagine going to watch, like, Iowa and Iowa. Oh. You know, Penn State, yep. you know, as they're coming up. I was listening to a podcast uh, with Bo Nickel, and he was talking about how they just started off – with whatever 10,000 then they built another uh facility and got to they built another it just kept growing and growing and to be in that environment is just got to be intense and then the coaching that goes on uh I just started watching it's called the the duel I just started watching that last yeah. night and you just you Jim Gibbons is the executive producer it's on Amazon I just started watching last night cuz Jim Gibbons has actually done commentary for us a couple times, including the the Missouri show. And uh, Shane Sparks is out there with him. I think they're touring around. And I, I just to watch. That's funny that you just started watching it. Getting that coach's perspective, like I would love to just be a fly on the wall where you take coaches from all different levels and just how they get into people's mind, like the intensity of a Dan Gable, a Terry, yeah. a Tom Brands, you know, to – you look at all these different John Smith with, you know, at Oklahoma Guerrero, actually, uh, I think he's an assistant coach. there still maybe to go. I'm not sure where he's at, but he was two years behind me, but in California, I think he went to independence high school and he would come in in middle school to practice with the high schoolers and just watching wow. how elite level this guy was and they go through. And I got a huge appreciation for what the, you know, the, the sacrifices, but you know, watching Gable break down. Hey, this is where I was a little maybe complacent, you know, yeah. different things, and be just. You look at Belichick and coaching football, you know, to John uh, Woods for UCLA basketball coach. Like, yep. what do these guys do? Like to convince these alpha personalities and get them you know, to like buy even, in and get them on the same page. And then, like you're saying, like a, uh, a fighter like Dewey, you know, instilling the confidence in yourself and helping you believe in yourself. And you look at like Eric Nixick, you know, from, oh. he's another one. I started wrapping hands and he started coaching at the same time we met. He was a bartender over at three angry wise. I may or may not have had a few drinks over there. <laughs> and, uh, maybe yeah. one or two, yeah, one or two or 2000, two or 10,000. But yeah, where he just, you know, started out, I think one of the funniest I can't remember who was it when Francis God, I can't remember. But anyway, it was like Dewey and Eric there, and he goes, "Hey, not bad for a bouncer and a bartender, you know, for coaching so cool, these guys because right? that's what you know Dewey worked in." The- it's I mean, I, I know we all hold Eric in in high regard, man. Um, but he deserves it, man. He's put it's 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 funny to you to. 
to mention that you know the rise yeah. from from bartender you know what mm-hmm. i mean to, to where he is now and it's again it's it's a rise that i don't think a lot you know a lot of people newer fans of sport might be just like oh this johnny come lately guy that you know he's just he's right because obviously man they're at the top i mean extreme couture at the top of the game right now he personally i think people see him as one of the absolute best in the game right now mm-hmm. um but it's it's one of those like you know, 15-year overnight sensations or whatever, right? You know what I mean? Where it's like he's at the top of the game, but he didn't start at the top of the game. Like, he just put in that equity and just put in that effort. And as you said, I mean, from the humblest beginnings and, and grinded and grinded, um, and now he's at the top and deservedly so. And a lot of it, I think, is is not even – I mean, he's a phenomenal tactician in terms of X's and O's, but, like, I don't even believe that's really the key to the success. You know what I mean? Like – you talk about that coach mentality and that leadership mentality and getting people in the right mindset and understanding that and, and you you touched on it too that's one of the things I think is such a mark of a good coach is when they provide something different to every athlete you know what I mean when it's right. when it's somebody it's like hey this is my system you need to learn my system because this is what we do and this is how we do it here it's like that just ne- I mean not to say that there aren't some basics that you're like no listen these will help everybody but I just I think it's so important that every athlete is getting individualized instruction, especially psychologically and mentally. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just everybody knows so what different. to do. He knows what to say to bring out the best yeah. from his. Who from needs his to be yelled at? Who needs to be consoled? Exactly. Who needs to be told they won the round, even though they clearly didn't? Who yep. needs to be told they probably lost the round, even though they clearly won? Because that's how their motivation yep. works. I mean, those are just things that only come with experience and understanding of leadership. And yeah, yeah I think he's so good. And at lots it. of times in the on the on the mats and in the cage with them. I mean, like he's I, he's he's got to be at Extreme Couture like every day, and he's always working there. He's got the pro practice, and then there's other days I've been there for other stuff, and he's always in there. I think these fighters understand that he's not just trying to be like this figurehead that's like trying to get the fame like you, f- you see you feel like there's some coaches out there that mm-hmm. might as well want to be like celebrity coaches you know they want the fame they want to do whatever you know extreme couture got torn apart because coaches were arguing over like who got to be on count now yeah that's crazy you know what i mean like that's crazy people would get mad because somebody else got featured i mean that ripped that gym apart yeah and now it's like it's a very cohesive group but i mean i think fighters realize that you know he's out there for their best interest and, and he knows what to say to them and this is these are guys that He's seen them at their lowest of lows, you know, during the practice camp, and he's seen them at their best, and he has that way to just sort of tap in. And I think a lot of fighters, they know he, he's going to say the right things, but they also, they don't want to let themselves down. They don't want to let their fighters down. And at the end of the day, they don't want to let the coach down that's yeah. put all that time and effort. And he's able to bring out great things, and he has a great rapport. And you look at any of their practices. You see videos, a lot of the fighters do it. And as much and as sweaty and as hurt as those guys are, they all have smiles on their faces. And that says something about a gym. That says something about the coach. It says something about the environment. And it says something about your training partners. And I think we're seeing that. Extreme Couture right now. It's weird because, like, them and Syndicate for a while were kind of battling as, like, who was going to be the top dog yeah. in town. And Extreme right now has clearly just shown itself here in Vegas to be the, the top gym and one of the top gyms easily in the United States. Yep. And and Eric's a big part of that, for sure. It's awesome, man. Do you still uh, work any boxing at all? I know you still follow the sport. I uh, haven't worked boxing in a while. So I, between my full-time job as a fireman, and uh, i got to make one correction, I do work for the Clark County Fire Department. Uh, sir, yes, it's sir. all right. It's uh, okay. People, I was going to say, people, right? people rep about that shit, yeah. man, because it's either county, you're either Vegas, you're county, or you're like Summerlin, you're Henderson. Yeah, yeah. So like I work for legit. Yeah, Clark County. And, uh, it's 
only reason I say that is sometimes that better than is, Vegas? No. It's all the same job. <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, we, we all have the same job. He's like, the only reason I want to clarify is because we're much superior in yeah. our skills. <laughs> I just know friends are listening to us like, better, give know, me a hard good. time. Because, uh, you know, ironically, the public doesn't know the difference. You know, just, hey, yeah. call this fireman's fireman, fireman. What is the difference? So Las Vegas. So it's. So Clark County is whatever unincorporated means. Like the entire Las Vegas Strip is unincorporated. So we're in this area right here uh, doing this podcast. We're quote-unquote unincorporated. That is such a weird thing, right? Yeah, like I need Clark County. Las Vegas Strip is unincorporated. So Even they, my old house by the Palace Station, that was all like Clark County yeah. area and stuff like that. Clark County carries the bulk, I would say, of, of most. Isn't of that the weird thing? Like the, the mayor of Las Vegas technically has no power over anything on the Strip. With uh, good reason. <laughs> from the where is it? It's Las Vegas Boulevard, uh, kind of north of Sahara. So the north side of Sahara is like that's the city, right? jurisdiction. And that only and goes then, so far because then at some point you get out to North Las Vegas. Right. Then you get out to North Las Vegas and then there's little pockets in here and there and all that. All right. So Clark County, anything unincorporated, which includes the Las Vegas Strip. Which includes the Las Vegas Strip. Yeah. Laughlin. Then you've got your rural areas of like Laughlin? Sandy. Laughlin? You're Laughlin. in charge of Laughlin? Yeah. Clark County is, uh, has Laughlin as well. an hour away. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Clark County's huge. <laughs> I was just thinking, it's weird because there's Las Vegas, now correct me if I'm wrong. So there's Las Vegas, there's the city fire department, then there's Clark County, but all of Las Vegas resides within Clark, Clark County. Clark County, correct. And <laughs> Which is so and weird. I, Clark County's huge. How government generates money is probably what it comes down to. It's above yeah. my pay grade. I walk into burning Which buildings. Which is just so crazy because you people, say unincorporated, so really but it's like the whole damn city is in Clark County. Yeah, and then it's the unincorporated and the corporated, then you have the city of North Las Vegas and Henderson and – Anyway, so uh, back to your question. <laughs> so say I call nine one one. How does it, how does it get to you, or does it go to like? So it goes to we have a dispatch center that actually dispatches um, Las Vegas City, North Las Vegas, Clark County Fire Department. So it's on them so to they figure out. Where so they know where it is, and based off of when the call comes in, it's on their CAD. It tells what jurisdiction's going, and then the computer picks the closest unit. Closest unit. And then we have what they call automatic aid agreements. So I was going to ask, so if they're busy, yeah. so if you nobody's can help nearby, out and if we're closer, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I worked on at Station 14 for almost 19 years on Desert Inn in, in uh, Eastern, and literally Sahara in Eastern on the north side of Sahara is technically Las Vegas City. Well, their closest station is on Charleston and like 15th Street. Right. Well, we're half a mile away. There's so we just, whoever's calling, right yeah, like, medical calls. So everybody helps each other out. We cool. run into their jurisdiction. They run into our jurisdiction. We uh, train constantly together. We have what they call a Southern Nevada snow food. That's some giant thing they put together where, hey, these are the standard operating procedures we're going to do. Like if there is a major event on the strip, a high-rise fire, even, you know, like the UNLV unfortunate school oh, shooting and geez. things like that. I was going to say, I'm sure October yeah. 1 was a big one as well. Yeah, big one. That taught a lot of lessons and kind of, you're constantly learning. So we have kind of a playbook, for lack of better terms. They do things a little bit different, but we have a standardized, okay, when these events happen, this is what we're going to do. So the dispatchers, they're the ones that kind of handle the the nuts and bolts. I'm just a knucklehead that just in the tones go off. You hop in the rig and you just go. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Where are we going? Get over here. So uh, so long-winded question. Back to boxing. No boxing. Uh, yeah. Too so now I haven't uh, – spent time in the gyms you know and i feel bad at times too uh, a friend of mine nate haven't seen him for a while and he's like hey man can you come to the gym i got this you know up and coming fighter and actually like one of them that i just timing wasn't right for me or timing there it was like devin haney he's like hey i need you to oh, come wow. in this kid's gonna be up and coming and the schedules didn't work out and it's hard you know because i have that full-time job the ufc 
keeps me busy two or three weekends. And so to actually get into the gyms and build that rapport, I start off doing boxing with the coaches and stuff. And like it is, I could, you know, I could walk into a gym and some people might know who I am. Some people not, you know, like Rudy Hernandez, he's been around the sport since he was a kid, you know, with his brother, Don House has been around, start off in boxing. House has been around boxing since the seventies. Crazy. uh, You know, Rob and Roe, you look at, you know, the people that are fighting in the UFC right now, he used to coach some of their dads or work corners (laughs) with some of their dads, you know, when they were, they were fighting, especially in Hawaii. You know, so those guys have that like super, super deep rooted, you know, uh, I guess intimate knowledge or with the, uh, you know, the fight game, the fight business, you know, who they're around and just, you know, people refer to refer to refer. So I haven't done boxing in quite a while. Um, I don't know when you'd fit it in. What did, what did you make of Deontay Wilder? That was, I mean, I know you still follow the sport very much, even though you don't work. I know you're still a big boxing fan at heart. Yeah. What'd you make of it? Because I feel like, man, you know, I, I always say, like, look, I don't follow every fight. I just don't, it, you know, you talk about how busy you are. Same thing, mixed martial arts takes up my life. And it's, and because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm following every organization out there and, you know, working with CFSC and all that. So, like, I just, my, my available space for boxing is small, but. At the highest level, I mean, it's still such a beautiful art, and it's still fun to see it executed at the highest level. Um, and Deontay Wilder, of course, there's been this crazy discussion. You know, maybe he might be one of the rarities that would try to slip over and do a little MMA and maybe take on Francis Ngannou in an MMA fight. Um, but, man, I, I feel like maybe the wind got taken out of those sails, and, and now they're talking about does, does, does the kid even carry on? And so I'm curious kind of what you thought of the performance, what you think of the future, because I know, uh, man, before we started recording, you were sharing a pretty pretty beautiful story about what a guy he is. Yeah, so uh, start off with uh, Deontay. Like, I've only met him a couple times because Don House coaches him, uh, works kind of as an assistant and plays different roles as a cut man and et cetera. But just what a good dude. Like, when you sit down and talk to him, people get caught up a lot of times seeing – how people act during press conferences or what they say and do this, you know, and some of it might be who they truly are and this, and some of it's for promoting a fight. But Deontay just spends the time in uh, a a very close friend of mine, her son's, you know, getting into boxing and I want to, Hey, let's uh, give them the nuts and bolts about the reality of the sport, the importance of, you know, being, you know, dedicated in this. And Deontay showed up at the track and there was a handful of coaches you know, they're working with their kids at the track kids. And he took the time to talk to all the kids. And then just as a favor to me and, uh, spent time talking to this young man and I'm, I turned 50 in a few months and I'm like, man, I got to get the notebook out and start taking <laughs> notes, you know, just well-spoken. Um, and I think he's, you know, taking lessons and experience in his life and different things that he's applied and how people are. And, you know, he talked, he even brought up, you know, his close friend, Terrace Crawford, who, he said was in 31 different foster homes wow. and look at where he's at when he gives back he goes so imagine you know wow i didn't know that yeah how his yeah, upcoming crazy. you know comes through and things like that now as far as the fight goes did i see him get hurt at any point no you know did he take some shots 100 percent, he did but i just wonder obviously i'm not in the ring i don't know what he's feeling what he's thinking he just didn't seem like hey that urgency was there yeah. there was you know and we all have bad days you know unfortunately true his is in I, front of millions yeah. of people and you only get one chance at it <laughs> I mean, well there's kind of a parallel right with colby covington right i mean yeah. obviously two different characters yeah, yeah. but as far as just the performance right like that yeah. that that fight 
was it just he had a really bad night? Because I've heard a lot of people say, hey, I don't even want to see – like, I don't yeah. ever want to see Colby fight again. Where other people say, hey, man, you know, now he's coming out and saying he had a broken foot. If he did have a – After the first hit. If he did have a so broken foot in the Leon's first 30 seconds. I, if he did have a broken foot in the first 30 seconds, that would, uh, that would yeah. explain a lot. But it's interesting, right? Because one night, like you said, maybe it was just a bad night. But one right. night, I see a lot of people that are like, he's done. He doesn't have it anymore. That people do – it's easy to write people off in all sports. You know, people, oh, they're done, they're done, you know, and without actually sitting down and talking to him. But, again, he – his post-fight interview, he didn't have any excuses, just, you know, he won this. Uh, the man loves his kids, loves kids. Even, even when we were at the track, he was just talking about the greatest gift, of, you know, is being a dad. I can't speak so for that because awesome. I don't have any kids. But And even after the fight, he's like, hey, I can't wait to get back and see my kids. But I didn't see him get hurt. The guy's beyond – tough i mean seeing yeah. him with fighting off of like incredible heart when him and uh fury and just you know some of these fights that he's had and so you know and the, the one thing about the uh if i have a bad day and i miss an iv okay maybe it could be life-changing for somebody but in a fight game if you have a bad day not only could be career ending it could be life ending could be life-changing in so many different dynamics and i think that's what you know people don't realize you're one punch away from game over yeah you know I, I it's 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 wild right because on the one hand you don't want to focus too much on that because you want you know sport and we want to have fun and we want to enjoy it but I just and it's something that sometimes I feel like I'm preaching it when maybe I shouldn't or or maybe people don't want to hear it but I just think it's so important to remember that like when we sit here and we evaluate these athletes and we talk about their performances and like Dude, when, when you say you're putting your health and safety on the line, I, granted, every athlete is putting their health and safety on the line. You know, you can go out there and snap a leg in a soccer game or whatever, and you can never walk right again or whatever. It's so, but, man, you really are in this situation, man. In this business, in the fight business, what you were putting on the line is – so I just I feel bad when I – that guy sucks. That dude should never do this again. Yeah. That, blah, blah, blah. Like, bro, do you understand, like, what it takes to get in there and, like, what they're doing each and every time? And – the mental play that it has on, especially now, because like <clears throat> we're not in a position anymore where people can just play it off like they didn't know. Like I didn't know what the risks were. I just got in there and I fought. Like everybody knows now what the risks are, and everybody knows what they're putting on the line. And um, I don't know. I'm just glad you said that because I feel like sometimes that gets lost. And I know it's kind of good to lose that thought because we want to enjoy this, and, and and sometimes we don't want that weighing on us. But man, when you start criticizing guys and girls in there, like don't forget what they're putting on the line. You know, if you look at everything in life, like, we all have an expiration date on what we do. You know, at a certain age, I won't be able to uh, be a fireman anymore. I won't be able to do this. You know, yeah. pro football player. Like, we all have an expiration date, and it comes. We just don't know necessarily when that's going to be. And But then you've seen people that people have counted out, and they make this incredible turn. I mean, look at Charles Oliveira, you know, oh. and then just from this to the rise to the top, you – you see people down in all sports. They're just down, and then, boom, something clicks again. And they're just like, man, they found the fountain of youth, or they, maybe it's a different coaching set, or, you know, who knows. Yeah. But, but we all have our expiration date. Everybody loves a good comeback story. Oh, 100%. Everybody loves a good comeback story. I would – I mean, what do you think? I mean, okay, flat performance. Granted, a lot of people probably didn't watch it, right? It wasn't like a huge yeah. event. It was off-prime, all that sort of thing. I mean – He's still a big if, name. Well, I was going to say, if PFL comes out and says, oh, by the way. Uh, we'll give you a fight. We're doing Naganu Wilder uh, as, as our main yeah. event of our pay-per-view or, or whatever. Like, I mean, 
those two dudes get in there, nobody's going to be like, oh, not interested. I mean, I'd feel like we, we'd almost watch a murder happen. I mean, I, I'd be kind of iffy. Uh, but, I mean, he's still a name draw. I mean, he's, boxing he's or still – if, if that was a fight, would you want to see a boxing match or would you want to see an MMA fight? I like either one. I mean, there's there's the the part of me that would like to see a guy that act has been actively saying and teasing wanting to go in an MMA fight get a chance to do it, yeah. you know, live up to what you've been saying. You know, he's a, still a hell of an athlete, yep. and he's still got great power. And, and if he catches somebody that thinks that he doesn't have anything for him, it's going to be interesting to see. Because if he went in there and just knocked out an MMA fighter that wants to try to stand and strike with a, a world-class boxer, yep. that'd be kind of fun to watch that. But it's the, it's and then there's the, always the anticipation of okay when's the guy going to go for a takedown how's his takedown defense going to work how's all this other stuff going to work so that part of an MMA fight sounds great but I I wouldn't mind watching him fight boxing again too I mean he's he's just such a character he's yeah. a big big personality and then when you hear the side of him that he's actually uh, uh, has a big heart behind it you that's know so cool. you kind of you know that's very very cool because he's so a big like, star man he could have rolled in there and just yeah. been like oh, I shook a hand and I walked off yeah. you know yeah. what I mean I like, like hearing the fact that he's he's been smart about it you know he's been taking care of his money he's he's providing for people but he also he's smart because you know I think for so long you always hear about these boxers that used to just they, they were making money hand over fist but they were getting rid of it hand over fist just as quickly so it's kind of nice to hear that he's taken the time to do it but I mean we've seen this with MMA fighters as well like hate to be the one that's always like, oh, you need to retire. You know, I hate being that one to always call that. You know, you like the fighter to, to, to be able to go out on their own. But that being said, there is a point where sometimes you have to save a fighter from themselves because they're too tough uh, to, to, like, actually stop. You know, somebody has to be the voice of reason. Like, bro, you're not just performing at the same level. While he might not still be performing at the same level when he was at his best, he's still performing at a high enough level that he could still put on good fights. I think... It didn't help going into this particular event, this big fight that they've been holding over his head in a character with a carrot like Anthony Joshua, then have him up on the same dais, and then they're talking back and so forth. So weird. And whereas so Joshua weird. didn't, uh, he wasn't really from. Granted, I only saw bits of it. Of uh, the presser wasn't really playing into it. He stayed focused. He stayed focused. But then Deontay was answering some of the stuff, you know, was actually talking a little bit. And then you had Hurd up there kind of going in there. There were a lot of things happening in that fight week to kind of bring him out of the what he should have been focused and maybe right. was focused on. Um, but that being said, I'd be more than happy to watch him. I don't think he's a washed-up boxer. I don't no, think he, by any either. means, needs to step away. I would still like to watch him, you know, fight for sure. But would I like to watch him fight and make sure? I, I, was just, I think I it would was, be cool with the right – especially with the right fighter like – like if like Clarissa Shields, hell of a boxer, and they played her right. Yeah, they gave her the right the right matchup, the, right the right matchups match to do it. So it just depends. I mean, if there's a, if there's a, a promoter out there that wants to throw my mad money of cash and just only wants to throw mad money of cash and get one fight out of them, I can see where they don't put the best fight for him. But if there's someone that's like, hey, I can use his star power and his name, and let's make some money off this. Then you play it right. It's it's you know? funny. I was just surprised to see how many people I saw that were like, he needs to be done. Because now, was this a fun fight? It was not a fun fight. Yeah. But is he normally a fun fighter? Yes. Absolutely. So I'd be, yeah. like, I'd be like, at least give him one more. Yeah. Now, if he goes out and has that same performance a second time, then maybe you go, okay, now you're not even fun. You know yeah. what I mean? So what then are maybe doing it's here? time to transition yeah. or do, do something else. Do you else? still want to do this or you whatever? Go you go bare knuckle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine his power oh bare gosh. knuckle. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> 
Oh, unbelievable. Like Ben Rothwell and him, like, stepping in oh, there Oh, don't you do that to my man Ben Rothwell. I know. I love oh. him. I'm not just saying. I mean, like, the dude, I mean, he's ben always. Ben would take that he's, fight, though. He's, 100%, 100%, 100%. Ben Rothwell would take that fight. 100%. 100%. I mean, he's got power, and he's always going to have that it factor where I think somebody's going to watch it and always know that it, it can be over in any one moment. Like, that's that part of his game hasn't went away, you know, so. No, the power's there. The power's okay. there. The power's there. I mean, and he's still got a hell of a draw. I mean, he, people people like watching the guy. So, I mean, yeah, if the guy wants to keep boxing, I'm all for it. But, man, yeah. if he wants to go MMA, I am really into it as well. It's one thing, too, you wonder. So, Deontay hasn't fought, you know. I mean, he had a fight, but it only lasted, you know, less than a minute, you know. Both Joshua and Parker fought on the Francis undercard. Yeah, right? they've been recently. And fighting. both of their fights didn't last long at all. Right. So they're, you know, recently active. They're already in peak shape. They threw this together. Um, I'm speculating. I can't speak for the promotion, but if you look at, they were they already had Usyk and uh, Fury lined up for That's that. Right. Yep. And scrambled December twenty third. So right. It was all put together. Everything else. So then now last minute because so right. they put this together. Great point. And Deontay, he's a fighter. Yeah, I can take this opportunity. Did he have? It's a great point. I can't speak for you know his training camp. What was he doing before? Like what was this? You know, and, and we you know, know the type of money they're throwing out there. And that's right. it. Right. I guarantee this was almost generational type money, where it's like even if he wasn't well off, I'm mm-hmm. sure he was well off just yeah. from taking this. Boy, that's one a great point. Yeah. So you got to remember those. Both those guys have been active, and there's always been that talk, you know, and. And the one thing that I always find intriguing about boxing sometimes is, like, you see people like, oh, we're going to have – you look at Manny Pacquiao and Floyd. How long did it take for that to finally yeah, happen? Years. You yeah. know, you're like, holy cow. They're this always is orbiting around each other but always still in contact. Years and years. And then, yeah. all right, do I take this fight, which is, you know, less reward, higher risk? Or do I sit around and do I wait? Do I do yep. You know, the dynamics of the business and the dynamics of everything is just there's more than what you and I see. Yeah. You know, and the, the casual fan or even the hardcore fan sees. So there's just so many variables and factors. We can't just throw everything in and say, okay, you know yep. what? Uh, he's done. Great point. All right, listen, uh, the UFC still has another week of hiatus before we get Yay. back to action. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but there is some stuff to look out for this week. Um, first of all, I'll just throw it out there. Uh, Ryzen 45, uh, December 30th. It's uh, it's on well, – it would start is late. Is it Ryzen or Risen? Ryzen. It's definitely Ryzen. I always call it Risen. Risen? It's I don't Ryzen. Know. It's definitely Ryzen. No, uh, let's call it Risen. It starts late Saturday night. It has Risen up. <laughs> maybe right. I'm wrong. Now you got me thinking. <laughs> I thought it was Ryzen. Is I it Risen? I've heard people say Risen before, but maybe it is Ryzen. Okay. I think I've heard both. I thought I was confident that it was Ryzen. All right, maybe it now is. Now you got me saying it <laughs> Then it's risen. Then my job is done. You've got no, me rising saying guessing myself. What is it, the Bernstein Bears or whatever? Yeah. Like, you got me doing that. Like, is it Bernstein or Bernstein? W- was there a Shazam or was there not? Like, I, <laughs> you got me second. The Mandela effect. You got me. You screwed me up there. Uh, but it's, it starts late Saturday night. It's actually uh, New Year's Eve in uh, Japan. But because of the time difference, uh, late, late Saturday night here is for the start. It's going to be a long one, by the way. 17 fights. Wow. Two intermissions. <laughs> An opening ceremony after the first four fights. So, I mean, this is one of those long, drawn-out, all-day affairs. So, I will probably be catching bits and pieces of it uh, along the way. But uh, two very, very incredible fights. Uh, Kyoji Horiguchi in the main event against Makoto Shinryu, uh, flyweight title. He was the kid that came through CFFC. Uh, now he's fighting Kyoji Horiguchi. That is an amazing flyweight bout there. And then Juan Archuleta is in business against uh, Kai Asakura for the bantamweight title as well. So that'll be a big fight there. You got John Dotson on the card as well. You got Vince Morales. 
You're going to have the pageantry of Japan. So uh, starts late on the 30th, rolls into uh, New Year's Eve as well. So put that on your on your calendar. It's on Fight TV, as I was kind of joking earlier. That's changed now. It's Triller TV. Uh, $19.99, I think, is the price. So not expensive. Like I said, it's going to be a long day, uh, and, and the hours are going to be a little bit weird. So that's definitely worth uh, checking out. But I will put on your radar as well because I will be there uh, on Saturday night in Philadelphia. Fury Professional Grappling 8. Uh, good card. This is the end-of-year card, so we get to have some UFC talent on there. Main event, Aljamain Sterling versus Kevin Dantzler. I'll tell more about that in a second. I'm going to read off some of these other names as well. Co-main event, Alexander Romanov versus uh, Chris Dawkins. Uh, Romanov, I should say. Nico Price versus Patrick Sabatini in there as well. Kyle Dawkins versus Eric Anders, which they fought in MMA. Now they're, now they're grappling as well. Uh, Charlie Campbell is there. Fatima Klein, who looks uh, amazing and is probably destined for the UFC. She'll be there. Uh, some familiar names to, to CFFC fans. Uh, Ian Olsen, Paul Capaldo, Santa Curatolo, uh, all in business on the main card. So it should be a fun night. Uh, CM Punk is busy, if you may have seen. He's back to action. He did uh, Madison Square Garden last night. I think on the 30th, he's doing uh, the Forum in L.A. Uh, but my uh, my color commentator will be Erin Blanchfield, which uh, Ooh, nice. I'm pretty Very excited cool. about, right? Like, she's uh, the, the timing's cool. phenomenal. A, she's ph- phenomenally talented, but she just got her fight announced. Uh, Manon Firo, March 30th, in Atlantic City. Uh, number two, Erin Blanchfield versus number three, Manon Firo, which has to be the number one contender fight. Uh, to face the winner of Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko. So, um, man, pretty cool timing for her. And then she'll jump in and and, uh, and call these fights. That should be a lot of fun. But I want to talk about this because this is interesting. We won't go too deep into it, but I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts on this, right? Because Aljamain Sterling, we know Aljamain Sterling, of course. Kevin Dantzler. Kevin Dantzler is 5-0 and under the Fury Grappling banner. Uh, he's undefeated. He has two submissions, three decisions. But Kevin Dantzler is – a guy that basically the way he approaches grappling is he touches hands and he sits down and he's like, come engaging, come engaging here. I'm working for my butt. That's the way we're going to do it. Him and Rob Devalishvili, Aljamain Sterling's friend and teammate, had a, a very spirited exchange back and forth. Um, Marab was pissed because he wouldn't stand up and wanted to engage on the feet. They had some great exchanges. Ultimately, Dantzler took home the decision win. Now, Aljamain has come out and said, look, if that dude sits down and pulls guard on me, I'm literally going to grab his ankle and I'm going to pull him across the mat and I'm just going to drag him around the place. I'm going to embarrass him <laughs> until he gets up like a man. Meanwhile, Kevin Dantzler says, look, this is sport jiu-jitsu. I'm a guard player. Uh, I'm." He's like, why do you want me to engage you in a takedown? He's like, if you want to take me down, it's because you want top position, right? I'm willing to give you top position. I'm telling you, you can have top position. You just need to come engage my guard. Meanwhile... Aljamain says what I think a lot of people do. And, and listen, I understand this logic because I have this logic as well, that you would never sit down on the street in a street fight. You know what I mean? And this is martial arts. And, you know, it did come from combat to some degree. And you would never, ever, ever sit down like that if this was an actual conflict, to which Kevin says, yeah, but it's not an actual conflict. So under, it's not bad blood. You know, they both say, look, I don't hate the guy. It's not a grudge match. But they both have very – dynamic theories uh, or differing theories about how grappling should take place. And I understand both of them. I guess I probably favor Aljamain's logic because I have always not been the biggest fan of like sport jujitsu where they sit down and pull guard immediately. I'm like that because I kind of agree with what he's saying. If it was martial arts and this was a battlefield, you're not going to sit down. But Kevin Dantzler, I, I can't argue when I say that to him. He's like, yeah, but 
it's not a battlefield, it's sports jiu-jitsu, and this is my game. And again, the only reason you want me to engage you on the feet is because you want to take me down. Bro, I'm already down. I don't care. Come take top position. So, I don't know. kind of curious what you guys think about the matchup and what you guys think about those logic because I'm, uh, I'm intrigued by this, man. I'm intrigued. And I guess if you know the rules of the game and they allow that, how can you hate, right? Right. So, if you can just literally go down and pull guard and sit there and wait and you're not called – are you going to get called for stalling? I mean, what if two dudes just sit there and I stand? Yeah, you I do, so you. you do have to move great. So he's he's one of these guys that will, like, sit down, but he will, like, scoot at you. Like, he'll come right. at you, you know what I mean? So, like, he never gets called for stalling. He does, and it's lightning quick. Like, this second. Yeah, it's so ridiculous bro, how some of those guys are so good at scooting on their oh, butts. And, and, dude, and the second you touch him, I mean, the second you touch him, like, his inversions and his rolls, like, yeah. they're so fast. Like, you know, like, I know, and it's funny because – a big part of me, I'll be honest, really does want to see Aljo just grab him and drag him because I think it would be <laughs> hilarious. But I also think, you know, <coughs> excuse me, Noah Dantzler, he's going to be like, all right, cool, you grab my ankle. As soon as you grab my ankle, I'm now grabbing your wrist and I'm immediately inverting and I'm going. Like, Marab dove forward on him in their matchup and nearly got caught in an arm bar and it was like instantaneous. He's like, I'm diving past the guard and he dove past it and as soon as he did, boom, turn, almost got caught in an arm bar, you know. So, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. Those dudes drill that stuff nonstop. It's like the, I think they guarantee they have somebody like, all right, when I make this move, come at me with a different way. And, like, there's no winning against these guys. Like, these guys, it's one thing when they have, like, these MMA fights when it's two MMA guys. Then you know that, you know, there's a potential of strikes and kicks. But, man, when you go up against, like, a, a really good grappler, I feel so bad. But I like yeah. seeing the matchups. And always cool when they beat, like, a, a very, very well-known MMA guy. Um, I'm glad anytime MMA fighters are able to kind of go and do something different because they always are very, very excited about it. I've never heard an MMA fighter that didn't have a fight take, like, a grappling match and say, like, oh, I really wish I didn't do that. Except for like maybe Cub when he got injured, but <laughs> that was not the best. Ooh, that was not yeah. the best situation. But yeah. I mean, it's cool. I mean, uh, I'd be interested to see. I mean, I do like how some of these grappling matches, and I like the fact that we're seeing more and more stuff because it is another avenue where fighters are getting some pay. Granted, it's not yep. like matching their UFC pay, but they are getting paid to do this, and every one of them seems to have uh, just enjoys it. Yeah, you know, because they love to compete. They love to compete. Keeps them, them, keeps them yeah. competing, but, but the and they're nerves, doing something different. The nerves and they're not are so taking, different. Well. Is this combat? Can no, they no, slap? This, nope, nope. Okay, just okay. So then it's like submission that's awesome. It's just straight submission. The, some of that combat, some submission grappling shit, is fucking gnarly. Oh yeah, when they take like the when they heavy slaps. open hand slaps that are straight, that are legit like palm strikes. They're hard as balls. I'm like, holy shit! I'd get so pissed. These are these are my fa these are honestly some of my favorite weeks of the year because we get out there and yeah. all these familiar faces, but it's these guys that we normally only see on fight week of an MMA fight. Yep. Where look. The nerves are there, right? Like, you yeah. could get knocked out. You could get separated from conscious. Those things Aljo we talked could about, hurt your himself. health. Yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot of – there is risk. Aljo actually has a fight not too long, you know, from now. You know, a big fight. USC so, 300. Yeah, it's a big fight, you know. So there's definitely things that, you know, I'm glad that they're competing. I'm, st I'm glad they're staying at a good level. They do have to have weight. There's weight limits, so they're they're keeping themselves yeah. in that path. You know what the weight you know? is here, by the uh -uh. way? 160. Holy cow. But Al Dude, I talked to Aljo yesterday, and he's like – He's like, you know, this is nice because I don't have to cut. And he's like, as much. Yeah, so as much. Still, I mean, do you, yeah, do you think still. you ever – well, granted, as he gets older, maybe it's not a big thing. But, like, do you think Aljo would ever do welterweight? Holy cow. I mean, he's doing 45, thank God. Yeah. I mean, he could 
He could but just think of he, he's cutting. Could he do he's well cutting he walks for over welterweight. I know that's what I'm saying. He like he walks over, over. And I wonder if those at some point monsters, where those but those are, are big monsters. crazy cuts. And that's why I wonder. I think he's I think he's as fit and crazy jacked as he is. I think he's undersized. But at some point, you know, he's walking around heavier than a welterweight. But he has power and he has good skill. And he has great cardio. And I wonder how he would do. But I don't, think, it is too I don't think he'd be undersized at lightweight. Not at lightweight, lightweight, but I meant just like if he ever did welterweight. Just, you said 160 made me think like, like – yeah. Oh, dude, like – like But he, as he gets bigger, there. as he gets older, I just wonder. I wonder if he'll call it a day before he has to kind of go up where he's like, I just can't make I mean, weight. I see him at 45. He said, he said he's, he, he was very excited. 45, 45 sounds like a great weight for him. Yeah, I bet he would do well at uh, lightweight as well. He's and excited I, for that. So. He's not a small dude. You know, if you're going to take that match, you know this is what this person is going to do. All right. Maybe you're going to be the guy that solves that mystery. Like, if you look at highest level Olympic wrestling, uh, Jordan Burroughs. Yeah. Oh, what you know he's going to do a double leg. He is going to do a double leg. It's coming. <laughs> and there's nothing people can do about it. Yep. Yeah. If you look at his greatest majority of his wrestling matches in his career, double leg, double leg, double leg, double leg. Oh, that's it. That's it. And he'll just do a grind, grind, grind. You're sprawling. You're doing it. And he just finds a way to get that double. So good. He's such a He's so sick, athlete. dude. Yeah. I remember for years we've been like, when are you coming to me? He's like, why? Why do I need to? Yep. I still feel like he teases every once in a while, but that dude he is does. legit. He is it's so good. He's a beast. I, I said it before, but since we're talking about it, I just said I, when I covered the world championships here in 2017 where he was there, I, was, I walked away saying I think that's the greatest athlete I've ever seen in my life, dude. Like, it's un- dude he's unreal, man. Unbelievable. Yeah, just the speed, the quickness, unreal. the durability. Like, uh, uh, I, man, I've, I, it's been so fun this season. we still got two more dates left. Uh, January 7th and February 2nd, I believe, of CFFC Match Day. So if you haven't checked it out, uh, please do, man, because uh, there's, some, there's some fun events, and it really has become a, a new passion of mine, man. It's, uh, I, I love watching it. I'll I'm, I'm, be anxious for the NCAAs. I'm anxious because there's a whole bunch of guys that you know wrestled for us this year under our banner that, that we'll be seeing going on uh, at the NCAA Championship. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that this yeah. year. I might even go out there. might even go out there. Well, it's funny you brought up that because around the time that 2017, Kyle Snyder was still killing stuff. So you, know, you want to talk about stuck. another dude that yeah. was like the absolute the best of the best. I think there was an event that I we did. I think it was here in town. I can't remember if Snyder and Burroughs were both on it. And I remember just thinking like – Greatness is in the building. Yeah, those man. dudes are fucking beasts, man. Very cool. Those guys that can really fucking wrestle and like, they wrestle guys that look so much bigger than them, and they just are able to sort of manhandle them. It's just so fascinating. It's yeah. so fascinating watching it. Just like you said, you know what's coming, but there's nothing you can't can stop. do. There's nothing, nothing you can do about this it. This is coming. The double leg is coming. Well, you know what else is coming? It's 2024. It's a brand new year coming up. Uh, Hopefully everybody's enjoying the holidays. I want to thank everybody that always uh, takes the time to to check this out and and listen to us. I want to thank everybody, especially over at Patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. Stepping their game up to the next level by helping support the show financially. Uh, As little as $3 a month will get you exclusive access to our and a half episodes and uh, hopefully much more uh, in this coming year because – yeah, we want to dedicate some time over there yeah. because, you know what, we've new, had a lot of – I got a new studio set up. Bro. We're about to do some shit. I don't even – I don't even – I'm afraid to tell people what you got going on over there, man. <laughs> you got a – As long as they don't give them my address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely don't get it. If you make your way to the palatial <laughs> Kase Kogami, this man is stepping his game up, man. This is like yeah. top-tier studio stuff I'm over there. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. Just going to play around, do some more interview stuff, obviously the MMA stuff, but also just stuff that's outside of it that I don't normally get to do. I mean – there's a lot of stuff I like to do with, like, veterans and other sort of shit. I was thinking about, well, maybe I could do some interviews that cover some of the stuff outside of the, just the fight game. You know, I have gear, 
might as well use it and then maybe use it to be a voice for more other platforms and other sort of stuff. So it could be interesting. And, and maybe maybe the roadshow isn't the perfect spot where some of that goes, but I hope to have more of that on like Twitter and some of the social stuff and maybe come up with other little stuff. So we'll see. But yeah, I, I had gear. I was like, why don't I put this? That's what happens when there's no UFC. And I'm sitting at the house. I was like, why don't I just redesign the studio this a little like bit? like moving stuff around, breaking out gear he hasn't used in years. Just and sitting, just sitting there. I was like, why not? Let's just let's just see what happens here. So yeah, so, uh, and I'm sure Patreon will be a good aspect where a lot of that stuff can People want some rent, uh, rental studio space out <laughs> here. They come over here. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'll be cooking next to you over here in the kitchen, but... We'll see. We'll see. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, Darren Layton. Yep. Uh, By the happy way, we're birthday. talking about Patreon. Yeah, he's a longtime listener of the show. I happen to see on Facebook. I wish Patreon would do a better job of telling me um, when birthdays are there. I tried to go through today, and it didn't. So I happened to find out that it was Darren's birthday from Facebook. So maybe there's a, a way that they can get better. Maybe I don't know if everybody has listed their birthdays in there, and it'll show. And maybe I'll just get better and make a calendar or something. But um, that should be something maybe next year if we get a, if we get a chance to do more like birthday shout outs and more thank yous yeah. and stuff. So appreciate the support. Appreciate the support. Appreciate what? the support. Appreciate you stopping by. Hope Thanks for having me. I twist your arm too much. The guy oh, yeah. I almost forgot. Here. Like and and another reason why the apex is great. And speaking of Mike, you have a a, a pretty good chance to run into him in the restroom. Like I have multiple <laughs> occasions. That is, there's only you know one. What? There's that only one weird. bathroom. As there's a, only as, one motherfucking bathroom. I have thought about that. That is a little bit weird. Like as a fan. Like you're just gonna run into like now. You I, to, I let him cut me in line one time. I was like, bro, you got you got to you got a quick. <laughs> I've done that before too. Yeah, with referees yeah. and judges yeah. and stuff. I'm like, I'm like go you got to get back out I'm there. Like, like, go <laughs> on, I'll wait. I'll Much wait. Much appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny. But yeah, so there you go. go. Why you want to get rid of the Apex show? When are you gonna run into the Cutman in the bathroom? <laughs> you might, or, or Herb's going in there. You know, and you know he's gonna be in the cage. You can have, you could be that awkward guy that tries to start up a conversation while he's taking a piss. It's <laughs> so true. <laughs> Maybe you want to call him out on his. On a, on a you know a call he made, you can do it right there. Like, bro, I see you. You're pissing away as you pissed away that call in the in the, in the ring. Uh, or you took a shit on that guy just like you think. <laughs> oh man. Okay, I'm not condoning that at all, but it's funny to think about. It's funny to think about. But don't do that. Yeah, don't, don't be do that, that guy. That. Please don't be that guy. <laughs> don't be that Leave guy. The guy alone. And certainly don't tell him that we told you that you should do that. Don't do that. All right. Hopefully everybody enjoys the rest of the holidays that's remaining. Uh, hopefully. In the next 72 hours, I got to call fights. My voice will be completely back. We're not quite there yet, but we're getting there. Uh, but more than anything, let me just say thanks for listening.